Okay, here we go. Let's pick it up. Verse 9. So the next day as they were on their journey, all right, they, we know who we're talking about, those who were sent by Cornelius, they were approaching the city. Okay, so Luke gives us this, okay, and they left, bloop, they're on their way. And simultaneously, while God was do, doing that work there and sending them down, this is what was going on where Peter was at. Peter went up on the housetop at about the sixth hour, which was noon, lunchtime, to pray. I don't want to stay here too long. I could easily stay here long, but I just want to point this observation, uh, help us see this. Peter stopped to pray. Before we look at Peter's vision, and it's very noteworthy that what was Cornelius doing when he got his vision? Yeah. He's praying. But this is huge, and it might be so no duh, it might be so easy to breeze by, but Peter stopped to pray. We see this already a part of his life at Acts chapter 3. He was going up to the temple at the hour of prayer. I want us, even though it seems so no duh and simple, I, I just honestly want us to assess ourselves because isn't that so hard for us to do to stop to pause and pray it's very noteworthy to see how prayerful this these first century saints are it's hugely noteworthy i mean we can Acts chapter 2, they were devoted to prayer. Acts chapter 3, they were going to the place of prayer. Acts chapter 4, they prayed for boldness. Acts chapter 6, they prioritized prayer. Prayer, prayer, prayer. This apostle Peter, and Luke takes the time to note it, hey, he went up on the rooftop to pray. He paused, and he went up to pray. Guess who taught Peter to pray? This is the same Peter who fell asleep in the garden when Jesus was praying. Jesus taught Peter to pray. He didn't just teach them in the sermons. He modeled it. Luke 5, 16 says Jesus would often withdraw to desolate places to stop and pray. This same Peter who was praying through prayer meeting, uh, sleeping through prayer meetings, is now this kind of man who, it's lunchtime, I'm going to go up and pray. I just think it's noteworthy. He paused to pray, and we're going to see at the place of prayer what happens. And I just wonder, I wonder if there's so much we fail to see and God doesn't show us because we have not learned the art of stopping and praying. Okay, I'm going to move on because I could easily stay here for the rest of the night. Um, verse 10, so he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance. He saw the heavens open, something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles, birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Peter said, by no means, Lord. I've never eaten anything that is common or unclean. Let's just highlight some things here before we move on. I just love, I, I, I think what Sherry pointed out was great. You know, he's hungry. Rada's hungry. It's lunchtime. And he starts to daydream. Or he falls into a trance or into a vision. And it's hilarious that the vision is of food. <laughs> I mean, that's like every day for me. <laughs> I guess, oh, I'm hungry. I thought it was funny that Rada's hungry. And 
he's not even helping them prepare a meal. <laughs> just, I'm going to stay up here and praying, you know. No, but, I mean, so anyway, servants were probably preparing this meal. He's having this vision. And then from heaven, so this is important to note. In this vision, as God's communicating, this is obviously something coming from above. And there's this great sheet descending. And in it, all kinds of animals. All kinds. Clean animals and unclean, according to Levitical law. So Peter's hungry, and this sheet's coming down from heaven, and he's probably like, oh, oh yeah. And then when it gets down there, this big heavenly picnic, and he's like, oh, what is that? And then he hears a voice. Hoy. No, that's not the voice. But it's a rise, Peter. Kill and eat. You hungry? Bing. But what does he say? By no means, Lord. That's interesting. Lord, no. He also has a thing with three times, but Peter also has a thing with saying no to the Lord, doesn't he? Why are you going to use the word Lord and say no? <laughs> Master, no. But before we're so quick to judge, isn't that us? <laughs> By no means, Lord. Remember Matthew 16? Jesus, the Lord, telling him how he would have to suffer and die. No. Anyway, it's interesting. And then he says this. I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. So remember, in this day and age, Jews had dietary laws, clean, unclean. So what he's seeing, it's weird. It's like, why are you telling me to eat that? Oh, I mean, I'm hungry, but I'm not that hungry. Like, I've never eaten that. I'm a good Jewish boy. I've obeyed this rule. And now this vision three times throws him into a ponder or a, perplex, a perplexity. He's like, what is going on? I just want us to see this first before we move on into understanding this vision. What is Peter doing? He's what? He's praying. It's at the place of prayer that God begins. Now, remember, Jessam noted that he, it doesn't fully make sense just yet, but God's beginning. He begins to make Peter aware of his sin, aware of what God's doing, but aware of something. Peter, there's, there's a sin issue in you right now, buddy. He's going to begin to make it aware. Right now, Peter doesn't see this vision very clearly just yet. This isn't, you know, he doesn't understand it. And I just, I think it's noteworthy that it ha he, God begins to show him these things at the place of prayer. I think God often does that, though. Genesis uh, 15, Abraham, when he had an issue with trusting whether God would have the descendants through him, what did he do? He, he was alone. He brought him outside. Look at the stars. It was when Jacob was alone wrestling with God. That's when God started to deal with Jacob. It was when Moses was alone with the bush. And God had to deal with Moses and his lack of faith there. Oftentimes, I think the Lord does this. He gets a man alone. Peter's on a rooftop. And he's in prayer. And he shows up. And he's like, Peter, something's going on. And i got to show you something. 
I'm doing a work, Peter, but there's some issues in your heart that you don't even detect right now. I wonder how much secret sin is hidden in our hearts that we're totally unaware of. And I wonder if we were to learn the discipline to stop and pray, the art of being still, oh, how much the Lord would surface for us. The psalmist writes in Psalm 139, 23, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, test me, know my thoughts. See if there's anything grievous going on inside of me. The psalms are loads of prayers and songs and journals. David, psalmist, he knew how to be still. It was at the place of prayer that God began to make Peter aware of something going on that was wrong in his heart. We'll see through this, and even with other verses like in Galatians chapter 2, that Peter had a problem. He's still very prejudiced, very bigoted, very, nah, Gentiles, they're unclean. I ain't going to associate with them. See, these clean and unclean animals, they're a picture of the Jew and the Gentile. And he's seeing on this sheet that they're all together, they're mixed. And God, the voice of heaven, is saying, go, go for it. And he's like, nah. He's saying, no, what I make clean is clean. But Peter doesn't get this yet. But I just want us to see that it's at the place of prayer that God is beginning to surface these things. And I'm just wondering this evening, are you aware of your sin? Are we aware of our sin? Perhaps we'd be more aware if we learned to pause and pray. Psalm 51 Verse 3 to 4, it says, I know my transgressions. My sin is ever before me. Isaiah 6, 5 says, Woe is me. I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. First Timothy 1 Timothy 1.15 says, This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I'm the foremost. David, Isaiah, Paul, all of them were men who were aware of their sin. They were aware. God helped them be conscious of their sin. And all of these men, including Peter, were men who got alone with God and prayed. You know, in silence on my knees at a park or a cemetery or wherever I get alone with the Lord at times, in the closet or whatever, those are some of the best and most terrifying moments of my day because I become dreadfully aware Oh, that's why I feel like that. That's why I don't want to do this. Or that's why I'm so resistant here. Or that's why I keep, But I wonder, I wonder, I wonder how much of that is unaware. We're just totally oblivious to it because we're just so, prayer is the last thing we'll do. Or it's the first, it's the last, we're trying to squeeze it into our busy schedule. Anyway, I love that Peter, he stops to pray, and it's at the place of prayer that God begins to help him see something that's going on. Let me read to you Galatians 2, verses 11 to 14, just to kind of give a little bit more of a, this is something that Peter's, there's a sin going on in Peter's heart, and it's a sin of partiality. Um, Galatians chapter 2, verse 11 to 14, this is, he's, a, he's opposed by Paul, Verse 11, when Kephas, or Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. You see that? But when they came, he drew back 
separated himself, fearing the circumcision party, fearing the Jews. He doesn't want his boys who never hang out with these boys to see him hanging out with these boys. You guys see that? Verse 13, and the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Kephas, or I said to Peter, before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? Like, Peter, what? What's up? See, we just, we see in Scripture, like, there is a sin issue going on, and the Lord is so good, and he's meeting Peter in prayer three times, working with him. You know why this kind of stuff, noting, seeing about these guys, not just Peter as a disciple, but even as an apostle, this is so comforting and encouraging for me. Because Peter loves the gospel. He preached at Pentecost. But there's a lot of sanctification, a lot of work that still needs to go on in this man's heart. That's so comforting for me to read. We're all in process here. There's secret, hidden sins that all of us are dealing with. And right now in this particular moment, to prepare Peter to go and be the preacher to Cornelius, the first Gentile, he's like, let's work on something, Peter. Let me show you something. Gives him a vision. It's at the place of prayer. God begins to make him aware. God's working the gospel in Peter. He's trying to show him something. He's in process, and I just, that's so encouraging for me to hear, to read. Let's keep going. Verse 15, so the voice came to him again a second time, and this is what the voice said. This is the point of the vision. What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and then the thing was taken up at once. What God has made clean, do not call common common now what does that mean so we know the animals jews and gentiles the voice from heaven the word of god this is the point peter god i'm god's trying to show peter this that i am making them clean who is them the gentiles see later verse 34 peek ahead 1034 Peter opened his mouth and said, truly, I understand that God shows no partiality like how I did. That was my sin. God has made the unclean clean. How? We sang it tonight. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the what? The blood of Jesus. God has made the unclean clean by Christ. This is what Peter has been preaching. And what Peter needs to really weigh in and realize that it's not just for you, Jews, it's for the world. That sheet from heaven, four corners, stretches to the four corners of the earth. It's for everyone. This gospel is for everyone. Because Peter's going to, it's going to make more sense. It's clicking now. Because later he'll realize, I'm just a man too. That's why when Peter, Cornelius, you're worshiping, don't, don't get up. I'm a sinner just like you. God has made the unclean clean by Christ. Question this evening for those who are present you feel unclean? Dirty? Filthy? Shameful? Guilty? In your conscience? Because you know who you are and what you've done or what you are doing or still doing? Hear the word of the Lord this evening. 
if you are in Christ, if you have repented of your sins and trusted in him because he's the righteous one, he's the sinless one who came and lived perfectly and we died on the cross and bled and died, that sinless perfect sacrifice, was that atonement was enough to cleanse the sinner. And so when he rose three, day, three days later, empty tomb, and he calls you to repent and trust in him, he can make you clean. So let no man call you unclean if you're in Christ. If you're in Christ. Are you dirty this evening? This is a gospel call. Do you believe this? That Christ can make you clean. And he is right and just to do it. I don't feel clean this evening because I had a good week. I don't feel clean and good in my conscience this evening because, oh, I've done this much at church this long and all of my efforts to wash myself up and make me clean. That's not why I feel clean this evening. I don't feel clean this evening even because I'm here preaching a sermon. That's not what makes me feel clean. That's not what makes me know I'm clean. We are clean. You are clean by Christ alone, by the blood of Christ. Let's go here. First John chapter 1. Let's turn. This one's turn worthy. They're all turn worthy, but we'll, we'll turn here for, for tonight. Go to First John chapter 1. God has made the unclean clean by Christ. Peter, you got to get this. You got to get this, Peter. We got to get this. 1 John chapter 1, we'll pick it up at verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you. God is light. In him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness. That's just, let's go slow. If we say we have fellowship with him, if we call ourselves a Christian, you call yourself a church member while you walk in darkness. We lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, note, and the blood of Jesus, his son, what does it do? Cleanses us from all sin. I'm making Cornelius clean, Peter. I'm cleansing him from all his sin, Peter. Verse 8, if we say we have no sin, this is a real struggle for us, especially us church people. We want to come off clean. We just want to look clean, sound clean. But deep down, we know we're unclean. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Truth's not in us. Verse 9, verse 9, for the soul that's feeling dirty this evening, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and the word is not in us. 
Jesus makes you clean. He's able to wash away. Think of that. Think of that. All your sins. Why? Because he was sinless. Sinless son of God, slain for sinners, calls you to repent and trust. And if that is what you believe, if you trust him this evening, you're clean. And don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Not even yourself. Christ makes you clean. Be clothed in robes of righteousness. If you're in Christ this evening, oh, what a joy that is. That's rest right there. Before God, I'm clean. Chris Morales is clean. No way. Way. Because of Christ. Can't get enough of it. But don't, we don't, and we don't want to try and feel clean by any other means. Isaiah 64, 6 says that we've all become unclean and our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. My best deeds, my best days don't make me feel clean. Isaiah says it's like a mutty pad. That's a polluted garment, filthy rags. And God needs to show this to Peter three times. Doesn't that speak? That speaks a lot. Peter, we really got to hit this home in you now. You really got to see this. Do you see it, Peter? Don't call what I've made clean common, Peter. Do you see it? It's taking time to drill this point into Peter. Before we see the conversion of Cornelius, we need to see the conversion of Peter, conversion in his mind, conversion in his heart, that this gospel is to the Gentiles and it's going to save. All those years of partiality, all those years of looking down on those Gentiles, Peter, I'm going to work on you. Let's keep going. Go back to Acts. So at verse 17, it says, while Peter was inwardly perplexed. Do you see that? Inwardly. That word perplexed to mean entirely lost, confused. That's encouraging. Because I am often perplexed when God's trying to show me something. Like, what are you? I don't get it. Inwardly perplexed as to the vision and what he what he's seen might mean. Behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius have made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate. How epic is that timing, right? It's like, okay, what? I'm hungry. I don't, I don't know. Mm, this is confusing. And then right at that moment, those Gentiles show up at the gate. So cool. Verse 18, he called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, note that, he's perplexed. He doesn't get it, but he's not giving up. You see that? He's pondering it. Pondering is a word of, it's revolving in his mind. He's thinking deeply and reflecting upon seriously. That's cool. Because I don't know about you. I think sometimes when God tries to show me something and I don't get it, I just, easy for shrug him off. Like, okay, that was interesting. You know what? Let's eat. <laughs> you know, like, I'm hungry. Good thing I never lose my appetite yet with all these visions of reptiles. Let me just, let me go down there and eat already. No, he's like really pondering this. Peter's pondering. The Spirit says to him, you see, I just want us to see what's going on here. Peter is determined to understand. 
what God's trying to show him. And and then the spirit says to him, behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation. I love that because he knows he probably would hesitate. They're Gentiles. For I've sent them. And Peter went down to, to the men and said, I'm the one you're looking for. Now look at this. I love this. Because he doesn't have it all figured out yet. He's still pondering this vision. And then he hears the Spirit say, okay, there's three guys here, go. And as he leaves the place of prayer, he has not left the presence of God. He's still meditating. He's still praying through this. He's still trying to figure this thing out. You see that? That's so cool. And then he says, what's the reason of your coming? I love how Peter wants to understand And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright, God-fearing man who was well-spoken of by the Jewish nation, he directed, was directed by a holy angel, sent for you to come to his house and hear what you have to say. So he invited them in to be his guests, which is big. The next day he rose, went with them. I want us to see this. Peter is, I just want us to, I want to highlight his determination to try and figure out what the Lord is trying to show him. That is just so, so, so cool. I pray that in our church, we would be men and women like this. That we don't just leave our devotional times and leave all that stuff on the page. Now, when we say amen and leave the place of prayer, okay, clocking out, let's move on. How many times have you done that? Have we done that? Peter's at the place of prayer. God's starting to make him aware of something going wrong in him and something that he's doing for the nations. He leaves the rooftop. He leaves the place of prayer, but he doesn't leave the presence of God. He's still in tune with the Spirit. Man, that was an interesting prayer time. What are you trying to Oh, there's three guys at the door. Yeah. Oh, maybe you're trying to show me something. He goes to the door. Why are you guys here? I'm like, why did you guys come? You see the determination that he has to want to seek the Lord. I think Peter's modeling for us so well what it looks like to ask, seek, knock, to seek the Lord and find him when you seek him with all your heart. I think he's modeling it so, so well right here. He is a man of meditation. He's the man that meditates day and night. Peter is encouraging. He's trying to understand what God's trying to show him. Learn to complete your train of thought. Even now, you're writing notes. God is speaking. Certain things, certain sins are coming to your mind. The Spirit might be surfacing things that you know God is trying to get at you, show you, lead you. The question is, when we pow with this and we say amen, then what? I wonder if much of us, our seeking of the Lord is limited to the place of prayer. I wonder how much of our seeking of the Lord is limited to that just devotional time. You have your devos, and then you go, and you leave whatever God is trying to show you on your desk. We need to learn the art of being still, yes. Pausing and praying, yes. But we also need to learn the art of being in his presence as we go. I think this is noteworthy about Peter, and I love it. Oh, that we would be a people who, when we leave the place of prayer, we're just perked. Our, our, our sense of the Spirit is just our awareness of God. Be prayerful, but be watchful and prayerful, brothers and sisters. Peter knows God is at work, and he's trying to show him something. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So verse 24, and on the following day, they entered Caesarea, Cornelius was expecting them, and he called together his relatives and close friends. I love that. He's expecting them. We talked about this in observation time. 
Cornelius is just like, oh. Can you imagine him just lighting up when he starts to see them make their way down the dirt path or something? Just like, oh, they're here. Yes. It's going down. I'm expecting them. Called together his relatives, close friends. Fill in the house. And when Peter entered, Cornelius met him, fell down at his feet, and worshipped him. Now, obviously, uh, Cornelius doesn't have his stuff intact yet. He doesn't know who the Lord is. But, you know, this is really just, I, I look at this, and it, in, in some ways, it's commendable. There's just this heart, this earnestness. He's a God-fearer. He needs to hear the gospel. It needs to be defined who is worthy of worship. But I think like Cornelius too, until we know who Christ is, we all hunger and thirst to worship. We all, we're all worshiping something tonight. You give your adoration and affection to something or someone. You do. The question is, is that thing or person worthy of your worship? And Peter's going to do a good job. Because even though Cornelius is ready to worship, Peter needs to re redirect his worship. So you see this guy, Giddy, just ready to worship, falls at his feet. And Peter lifts him up, saying, stand up. I, too, am a man. It's a I just love how Peter did it. God is working on Peter. That's just a weird picture to see a Roman centurion, a Gentile, an uncircumcised Gentile bow at the feet of a Jew. That's gnarly. But Peter knows better. God's working on him. No, I ain't, I ain't no better than you, Cornelius. Get up. I'm a man too. I'm a sinner just like you. Stand up. Don't worship me. I'm just a man. And every minister of the gospel, every Christian must really make sure we know that. We are just men. He's not touching any of Jesus' glory. Stand up. I too am a man. Verse 27. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone from another, another nation. You guys know in this house this is weird. And I shouldn't be here. I, you, you know how weird this is. But God has shown me. You see that? God is starting to reveal this to Peter. God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked then why you sent for me. Cornelius said, four days ago at this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour. And behold, a man stood before me in a bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard. Your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who's called Peter, who he is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. So we see the stage getting set. Cornelius, ready to worship. Peter's redirecting him. The stage is set. Verse 33. So I sent for you at once, and you've been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. Holy moly, what an epic moment. It's like so hard to stop here. <laughs> but I want us to note, and I love how he words this, 
we are all here. Like we're all here. All of us are here and all of us are here. We have undivided attention now, Peter. But I want us to, I love this. We're all here in the presence of what? God. Why didn't Cornelius just say, okay, we're all here. What do you have to say? No, he says we're all here in the presence of God to hear all that you've been commanded by the Lord to tell us. Everyone in the house, and Cornelius included, they came to hear preaching in the presence of God. They came to hear the word of God. That is hugely noteworthy. I don't think any preacher, any pastor could ask for a better audience or congregation. We're here tonight. You're here tonight, I hope. I hope all of you is here. I hope you're attentive. The question is, are you here in the presence of God? To hear the word of God. That's a big, big question. I hope and pray, children, listen to this too. Because when you show up at corporate worship, where the word is about to be preached, know this, you come and we are in the presence of God. And we want to hear the word of God. That's a huge huge statement right there because i wonder how much people gather to just hear a person i wonder if the speaker is going to be funny oh that speaker is popular so i'm going to go show up oh, i'm just imagining for peter like this is epic a room filled of god-fearing people who want to hear the word of god they're there in the presence of god god is about to speak through the preacher this is how we ought to have, we need to ask the Holy Spirit to raise our view of corporate worship and when we gather around the preaching of the Word of God. This is a huge thing right here. I love how Luke words this. Do you believe that God is here? Do you believe that as we're reading these verses, even in observation time, this is the Word of God. Cornelius and the family and friends want to hear the word of God. Oh, how I pray. When I show up every Sunday as a hearer of the word of God, whether I'm in the pulpit or in the pew, I'm here, I want to be here in the presence of God to hear the word of God. Preach it, man. And I want to pray my knees off for that pastor. Preach to us the word of God. That's why I'm here. Is that why you're here tonight? This is an amazing gathering that's going on. All present. All in the presence of God. To hear the preached word of God. The stage is being set. The atmosphere is just epic. The faith that is filling that room. I'm thinking right now in Peter's mind, he probably was like, oh my gosh, I did not expect this. No way. And we'll see next week. He's going to preach it. They came to hear preaching in the presence of God. I hope and pray that's, that's what we're doing tonight. You can't do that on YouTube. I'm just letting you know. The more and more we gather and worship like this, Sundays, Wednesdays, or whenever like this, there's this... There's this epic reverence and romance that's going on, you know, as we open the Holy Scriptures and we hear the message of Christ the Lord preached to us.
taught to us in the presence of God. Do you believe, do you believe God is present here? Revelation says he walks among the lampstands, which is the churches. It, it makes, when you see it, it, it puts a giddiness in your heart to show up on Sunday. And if you lack it, if you lack it, if we struggle with it, then what we need to pray is, Lord, get us in the presence of God and help us to realize that it's the, this, we're about to hear the word of God. My sister Michelle, who I love, she's here tonight, asked her if I could share this. I just thought it was so mind-blowing for me. She said, you know, you know, when I show up at church, it's like, you're my brother, hey, you know, like, you're, you're always, I'm like, okay, that's kind of cool. She's like, no, 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 what I mean is, like, when I see you, it's like, you're my brother. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and then she's like, no, but then when you're preaching, like, when you're in the pulpit, it's like, you're not my brother. You're the man of God giving the word of God. I was just like, whoa, that's so cool. <laughs> But that's so what it is. Peter's just a man. And he is there to faithfully preach the word of God. And this gathering that is being congregated is getting it. They're there in the presence of God to hear the word of God. It's an amazing thing that we're a part of. Let's not lose this in Wanu Baptist Church. Seriously. We can't get this online. But there's an amazing thing going on right now in this moment. The Holy Spirit's at work here in this place. Calling us, convicting us of our sin. As we hear the preached word and study it together. In conclusion, God was at work in Peter. He's breaking down his traditions. He's removing hesitations that he has to go to the Gentiles. He's teaching him how to be hospitable and cultivate a humility and giving Peter now a heart to want to get the gospel to the Gentiles. And my question, and I wonder, and I pray this evening, has God so worked in our hearts? There might be hidden sin, hidden prejudiceness that we have in us. We don't know. I think we need to go to God in prayer. Think of your neighbors that are around you. Like, are we hospital? Are we, we have, we have the gospel that saved us and it's for everyone. Are, how's our hospitality? Do we show it? God had to work on Peter. He might be having to work on us. Is there a reason why you don't want to talk to your neighbor across the street? Is there a reason why you don't want to share with your coworker? Have you written people off already in your mind and you didn't even realize it? Have you already just come to the conclusion, they would never receive this. I'm not even going to try. Peter could have said that about Cornelius. Oh, he's a centurion. He's a pagan. He's uncircumcised. Well, I'm not going to go to his house. He doesn't want to hear any of this stuff. We have attitudes like that. Ask the Holy Spirit, search us. Search us. The gospel needs to first be at work in us. And then God will make it be at work through us. some encouragements and then we'll pray um, in your alone times you know we saw from Peter a modeling of 
pausing, praying, asking the Holy Spirit. Like, I really encourage you to do this. Like, when you're praying, when you're reading, you know, um, and you're wrestling with the Word of God, like, try, fig- ask the Lord for ways to, to teach you how to meditate as you go. Because um, remember, this didn't click until after Peter was kind of careful to just obey and respond. He, he didn't get it all up on the rooftop. He just kind of kept going on his day, and then things started to make sense. Because I do know, and I know a handful of us, we do have our devotional times. You do have your quiet times. Um, you, you're trying to learn the art of being still and pausing. But perhaps we need to learn how to remain in the presence of God as we go. You know. So even now, we're going to pray. Like, Don't let those things on the page run away from you. The notes you're taking, the things that are coming to your mind the sin that perhaps needs to be confessed because you're unclean this evening and you need to bring that to the Lord. Like, Don't let those things just run away from you as we say amen, okay? God is at work and he's here. So let's continue to ask the Lord for more grace as he continues to work in us and through us.